Amen, amen. Fantastic job, guys. God bless you. Amen. We're going to turn to the book of John, uh, John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we're going to go straight into this. And to give a bit of background on the text, it's towards the end of the gospel of John. And here this is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. And this is the third time Jesus revealed himself to the disciples after the resurrections. And the disciples went back to fishing, went back to what they knew after they saw what happened to Jesus. Uh, they didn't catch anything all night. And Jesus standing on the shore was asking, have you caught anything? And he's like, no, we've not caught nothing all night. He says, throw uh, your net on the other side. Um, and then, you know, the, the, you know, the story, the nets, uh, they caught a huge catch of fish. Uh, and they came to shore and they had breakfast with Jesus. Amen. How many people have breakfast with Jesus? Can you say amen in this place? Uh, so that's what they did. That's where we were. And then, you know, discussion kind of ensued where, uh, you know, Jesus was asking Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times. And, um, and, and as a response to Peter saying, yes, I love you. Then Peter then received a mandate directly from the son of God, what he should do. He told him, listen, I want you to look after my flock, look after my sheep. And he gave him directions on what he should do. Now, if you'd have got directions from the Son of God, above all the other disciples and stuff, you would have felt blessed. You'd be like, you know, I've been told what to do. I've been given directions. I've been given instructions. However, the text we're about to read, we can kind of see something else going on here. The text we're going to pick up, we can see that maybe Peter wasn't quite satisfied with that. And we're going to pick it up here in John chapter 21. And verse number 20. So this is after Peter uh, um, had received instructions from Jesus. It says in verse number 20, Then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one that betrays you? That was talking about John. And Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, I want to preach a sermon I've entitled Dare to Compare. Because it's, I believe it's a spirit we need to kind of deal with. And it's a spirit I believe Jesus was dealing with. But I want to firstly look at you or firstly discuss with you about minding your own business. Come on now. I want to bring it to your attention. Jesus basically said to Peter... Bro, I love you, but mind your business. Verse number 22, superficially on the service, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I've told you what to do. I've given you directions to go. I've given you instructions. And you're asking me about someone else. Peter, mind your business. And many times God has said, Peter, to me, mind your business. Because how many of us, sometimes we like to be in other people's business. Don't stay quiet. Come on. Listen, sometimes we like to be in other people's business. 
We like to be in other people's faces, other people's uh, issues. Uh, and if you take it, you kind of see, uh, you know, we begin to be busybodies. And that's how the Bible describes people like that, as busybodies. In 2 Thessalonians 3 and 11, it says, For we hear that there were some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. The New Living Translation says that meddling in other people's business. 1 Timothy 5 and verse number 13, this is Paul talking about widows. He says, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies and saying things which they ought not to. We all know people who are always in other people's business. Maybe we've got a friend who's always just up in your business, always asking you, or just always around, always just telling you things, maybe always gossiping. And the lesson here we need to understand is that it's good to mind our own business. Because when you're in other people's business, you're always in the, the stories of other people. You're always trying to get the scoop, trying to get the gossip. And the problem is you don't get all the facts. And when you don't get all the facts, you start to jump to wrong conclusions. And that's how things start to spread around. You know, in the workplace, uh, uh, someone tells a story about uh, uh, Susie and John. They went to lunch together. And that starts with that. And that's how it all ends. Then the story advances. They didn't only go to lunch together. Then they went home together. The story advances. They didn't just go home together. They had dinner together. The story advances. Now there's a full-blown uh, uh, story and a, a soap opera unfolded because people are always in people's businesses getting the facts wrong and then jumping to wrong conclusions. If we look back at our text, we were asked, Peter was asking about the disciple whom Jesus loved. He asked them, what's going to happen to this guy? And we read Jesus' reply saying, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? That's what Jesus said. But verse number 23, the Bible continues on. It says, so the rumors spread around the community of believers that this disciple wouldn't die. So here we go. A rumor has spread around because people are in meddling in other people's business. And now the facts are not straight. And now things are being spoken out of turn. People are jumping to conclusions. Isn't the first message that Jesus said to Peter was, mind your business. And that's an important lesson we should learn. That's an important lesson we should uh, uh, gather around ourselves. It's an important lesson we should walk around. Uh, we should mind our own business. But I believe there's more to that. I believe Jesus was not only dealing with that. He was dealing with something deeper. He was dealing with a spirit of comparison. And I want to tell you a spirit of comparison is what causes people to walk around with no joy. A spirit of comparison is what causes people to walk around depressed, walk around unhappy. Because comparison, what it does is that it, it looks around at what other people have and then you start to despise what you have. Comparison can literally be a crippling to your life because you're always unhappy thinking about what the person next to you has. Thinking about what the person next door has. Keeping up with the Joneses is the kind of saying with that. Listen, your car was okay until the neighbor bought a new car. Come on now. Your job was good. Used to be proud of it. Your job title was good until your brother got promoted. Come on. Watching your kids grow up was precious. You loved them. You thought they're so advanced until you see your friend's kids. They're all running before yours can even crawl. And now comparison gets you to start to look at what you have with disdain. 
You look at what God has given you and you start to think, now this ain't right because you're looking at somebody else's. One of the phenomenons in my house, I know I talk about my house and my kids a lot. I love them, God bless them. One of the phenomenons in my house is that if you give my kids anything, they're not quite satisfied until they know what their brother or sister has. No matter what you give them, I can give them a 10 million pounds, a check right there. They're not going to be happy until they know what's my brother getting though. I know I've got 10 million, but what's he getting? Come on now, they, I can give them a nice toy for Christmas. I can give them some, some nice dessert or something. Yes, it's good. You know, when we spread stuff out, it's so funny. Listen, if I have to pour out, we've got some special drink or something like that, I pour it out, it has to be exactly the same. Listen, I can't have one millimeter more than my brother because, hey, now this ain't fair. Because it's comparison. Don't matter that you've just had all this stuff. Don't matter. Listen, what's he getting? And that's what we think about. That's what we look at. The mindset of comparison can take and the joy that you have and turn it to complete misery because you're always trying to catch up with somebody else. The good things that we have can be turned to bad because we're looking at what somebody else has. You know, there was somebody in our, our, our fellowship, a preacher in our fellowship, who used to work uh, in finance in Canary Wharf. Um, and for those of you that know Canary Wharf in central London, a uh, uh, high-flying building, massive kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, executive kind of jobs. So anyone that works there, you know they're on an executive salary. Fantastic. And, but in this particular firm, one of the rules they had was gross misconduct if you told somebody else your salary. They said it's gross misconduct. And the reason is... Because in that type of job, in that line of work, you can have two people sitting next to each other doing the same job, (laughs) but one's getting paid £10,000 more, quite easily. And they know that if you told the guy that's doing the same thing as you, (laughs) I'm getting paid ten grand more than you, that day he will stop work. Because of comparison, he could be happy with his hundred grand job, he could be happy. But the moment he finds out you're getting 110, hey, there's issues, there's problems. Because that's how we are. We understand that it's good as long as we know we're better than everybody else. Come on now. The moment we find out somebody is doing something else better, then it starts to change what we do. What we used to be good is no longer good enough. What used to be acceptable is no longer acceptable. What was agreed is now up for debate. I don't look with you in a parable of Jesus used to describe the kingdom of God. Now we're going to read 15 verses, but bear with me. It will make sense. We're going to read with me. Follow along on the screen if you have it. It's going to be Matthew chapter 20. We're going to read from verse number one. It's a familiar portion of scripture, but let's read through it and let's see what's going on here and what Jesus describes here in this uh, parable. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. Everybody say agreed. He agreed with the, with the, with the, land, with the uh, workers, right? Verse number three, and it says, And when he went out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, You also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, Why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. And he said to them, You also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. Verse number eight. Here's where it changes here. Verse number eight. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his stewards, Call the laborers and give them their wages beginning with the last to the first. 
And when those who came were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. Verse number 10 here says, but when the first came, they supposed that they would receive more. Now I want to pause right here. Why did they suppose they would receive more? At the very beginning, the landowner agreed with them a denarius. He said, can I pay you a denarius? They said, yes, fantastic, let's agree. But now all of a sudden, when it comes to their paying, they said they were supposed they would receive more. Why was that? Because they had seen what other people had got. And they think, well, they've been working an hour. I've been working 12 hours. So surely I'm going to get more. Let's carry on. And they said, and likewise, they received a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying the last men have worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who've borne the burden of the heat the day. But he answered uh, one, one of them and said, friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and get out of here. Okay, sorry. Take what is yours and go your way. <laughs> I wish to give to the last men the same as you. It is not lawful, or is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is your eye evil? Because I am good. So church, at what point did this become a problem? Because when they was hired, he says, I'm going to pay. This is the salary. It is a denarius for the whole day. They agreed. They went to work agreeing that this was their wages. When did that become a problem? When did it change? Well, when they saw what other people had got. That's when it became a problem. You see, the Bible said that they complained. It was comparison that brought jealousies. It was comparison that brought bitterness. It was the comparison that brought the complaints. And we need to understand that in our lives, if we find ourselves complaining, sometimes we like to complain. Sometimes we like to just wake up and complain because we look at what other people has got. And sometimes it fills us with indignation. You know, I said this morning that I love testimonies and a testimony what it is is someone telling you what God has done in their life they're standing up glorifying God but can I tell you when people give testimonies not everybody is rejoicing not everybody is saying oh amen praise God some people are grumbling thinking why not me when's my time to get married (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that got aroused what's going on here what's (laughs) Come on, Eric. All right now. Praise God. <laughs> Listen, when you continually look around <laughs> and compare, literally you're opening yourself up for other things to set in, which can quickly escalate. And now you're doing things you never thought you would do. You're looking at other people and how God is blessing their life. And it just, you just become more and more embittered. Come on, check out the first murder in history. What was that all about? Comparison. That's what it was when Cain killed Elbe. was because his offering was accepted by God and his was not. He looked at his brother with bitterness, indignation, because he was comparing himself. He said, God honoured you, but he didn't honour me. And that led him down a road to take his brother's life. God said, do what is right because sin is crouching at your door. In other words, don't compare yourself to your brother because sin is waiting to trip you up. And comparison is the key that opens the door to sin. Church, we should not get caught up with comparison because we need to understand you can only compare like for like. You can only compare things that are the same and we understand that each and every one of us are uniquely made. 
There's no use complaining your life with my life because we're different. There's no use complaining how I speak with how you speak because we're different. How you function, how God uses me to how he uses you because we're different. We can't compare because we're not like for like. We are different. God has designed us in such a way that we complement each other as a group, as a body. We do our own things together. So God is saying, listen, don't compare yourself. He's saying, do you because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I made you in, 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 a, in a certain way to have characteristics because I want to fulfill a potential in you, a destiny in you. Don't spend your life looking at other people, wanting what people have, wanting to be what other people are because God has made you your way for a specific reason. The same way his comparison spirit can cripple your life is the same way it can cripple the body of Christ. The church is described as the body and Jesus is the head. You know, we the congregation, we are his body. And if we allow this spirit of comparison to come in to the body of Christ, we hinder the performance of the body. We effectively disable Christ's body. If we start to look and see comparison, listen, we go back to our test, our text. And Peter was asking, what's going to happen to this guy? Now, you might think that that question is quite innocent. What's going to happen to him? Listen, I care for him. I love him. What's going to happen to him? You know, I just want to make sure the welfare of my, my friends is, is going to be good. But I don't think it was all innocent. I don't think he was just on the surface innocent. I think what Peter was doing was just comparing himself. He wanted to say, listen, how do I fit into this? And how do I rank? You've told me what I'm going to do. How does it rank with my peers? Am I above them or am I below them? I believe Peter was asking the question just for a quick status check, just to see where it's at. I don't know if you've ever asked, had, you know, had conversations with the people and they ask you questions about things, and not because they care, but just to see where you're at. See where you are. Oh, you've moved into a new house, have you? Okay. Are you renting or did you buy? Right? Just to see. How how does that compare with me? Ah, you got a new car? Okay. Finance or did you buy cash? Why why did that? Not because they care, but just want to see, okay, how does that rank with me? Do I have more money than this person? Am I living in a better place than this person? Am I, am I going forward? Am I progressing further than this person? Listen, we do that all the time. We try to status check him. He's trying to find out if I'm the greatest. Am I a greatest among them? And we know the disciples did that from time to time. They'll argue amongst themselves. They'll find out who's going to be the greatest. When we go to our new kingdom, when Jesus goes to his kingdom, who's going to be sat at his right hand? his left hand who's going to be the one that's going to be on top Peter was trying to find out if he was going to be number one and Jesus reply was perfect because what he said was mind your own business because the dangers of comparing like this gets you into misconception of value that's what it is when we start to compare we start to say oh because you're doing that listen I have more value I'm the big cheese here okay I'm the boss in this place. But we have a misconception of value when we start to compare. The Bible describes us as one body. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse number 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, all members of that body are one body, being many are one body. 
can't be saying this is this part is more valuable or that part is more valuable. We're talking about one body, different people with different roles, different intellects, but we're all one body. The disciples regularly had to fight with each other to kind of tussle between who is going to be the one at the top. But we're fighting or we should be fighting towards the same goal. Come on now. If we're in a church of Jesus Christ, we should be fighting towards the same vision, towards the same goal. We're going to the same thing. The value is in the entire body, not just one member. The value is in its entire body. Comparison, when you compare, you cheapen what God has given you. And you cheapen where God has placed you or what God has allotted for you. Many times people ask questions just to see, you know, what have you got? Just to see, how does it compare with what I've got? But how many know God has given you what you have given because that's what you can handle? Come on now. We can handle things differently. We can take on board things differently. We have the intellect to, to, uh, uh, or the wisdom to kind of understand things differently. And with God has done that in his wisdom because he knows us better than we know ourselves. Come on now. Sometimes you see people that want to, I've seen it in a workplace where people will step on people's heads just to get above. And when they get above, they realize, actually, this isn't for me. I can't really handle. Let me just go back to where I was because that wasn't for you. God has designed you. God has placed you in a place for a reason. God has put you in a place for a reason. So three things comparison does. It changes, it complains, and it consumes. So how do we overcome then? How do we get free It's found in verse number 22 of our text. We're going back to the text. Right at the end, it says, as for you, follow me. He gave Peter orders on what he needs to do individually. In other words, you need to play your part. Do the part that is allotted to you. Yes, this person has been blessed. Praise God. Let's rejoice when our brothers rejoice. Come on now. Let's rejoice when our sisters rejoice. They are doing them. You need to do you. He says, as for you, follow me. When to turn to his word and put yourself in his position, you'll understand his will, recognize his way and hear his voice for your life. Watch out for the little signs and the Holy Spirit's still small voice. Whilst we're journeying through life, God will begin to direct you. And whilst we're in the middle of minding our own business, we'll begin to find where God has placed us, what God has put inside our hands so that we can be the men and women that God has designed us to be. You know, there's another parable called the parable of the talents. We know it where um, a businessman, uh, he gives to his stewards uh, different values of talents. Now, here we see an opportunity for comparison. But they stayed in their lane. They said, I'm a two-talent kind of guy. I'm a five-talent kind of guy. I'm going to do uh, the best I can do with what God has given me. God has given you twice as much. God bless you. Praise God. Me, he's given me this. I'm going to serve him with what he has given me. I'm going to rejoice for what he has given me. I'm going to look and do all that God has called me to do with with what God has given me. Because when I start to compare, I start to cheapen what God has given me. God has placed in your hand something supernatural. And that is uh, the life that that you have every single day. He's given you that life. He's given you that breath. He's given you opportunities for you. And we do God a disservice when we look at our brother or our sister and we say, if only I'd have had that, if only I'd have been there, 
If only I'd been in their shoes. No, no, God has placed you there for a reason. Because comparison really does kill. And I want to say this also, I want to throw it out there. I don't think that this generation has helped at all. With the advent of uh, uh, social media and someone like that, all we do all day is compare ourselves. And now you get young girls who feel that they are ugly. Why? Because they're comparing themselves to something that is fake anyway. You get guys who, who feel they're not making it because they're not got signing these checks of zeros and so on or not driving a certain car or wearing certain clothes. Why? Because that's what is portrayed as successful. And now we're comparing ourselves. And I find it so funny. We're comparing ourselves to something that is not real in the first place. I say it many times. I've said it, I don't think I've said it this time this year, but I'm going to say those, those pictures that you see on the gram... <laughs> I heard they call it the gram, IG, Instagram. That's what they call it. Those pictures you see there, that's not the first shot. That's like maybe 20. Shot number 20. Shot number one. No, that wasn't right. It wasn't, let me get the light right. Oh, no, that wasn't right. Let me, let me get the hair right. Yeah. After about 25 shots, then that's the shot they put on Instagram. Oh, just woke up. <laughs> Come on, you lie. Come on. You spent half an hour doing your makeup. Come on now. Go a hairdresser professional, come do your hair, come on. Just woke up. Come on now. I know a guy who rented, um, he rented a BMW. <laughs> Took like hundreds of pictures, say yes, new whip. <laughs> come on, you're giving that back after the weekend finishes, bro. And you're catching the bus. <laughs> but what has happened now, he's caught that moment, Right? puts it on the gram and you now think or we now think that that's the life and then you start to compare now you're looking at his BMW and you pull out your boss pass you're thinking ah I wish I had a BMW like him not knowing that he also has a bus pass (laughs) are you looking at the girl you're thinking man her skin is flawless look at those cheekbones and so on how it just kind of just shimmers and it's just like how does she get that Hours of like, what they call it, contouring of like this and this and doing all this. <laughs> I'm sorry, listen. <laughs> social media, it kind of winds me up, man. <laughs> but hey, if you're on social media, God bless you. <laughs> it's, not, it's not an attack at you. But just remember, listen, you don't need to compare yourself to anybody. God has made you who you are, like you are, for a reason. God has got a destiny and a plan for you individually. He's given you what you can bear. He's given you what you can handle. Be faithful with what God has given you. Be faithful with where God has placed you. And when you are like that, when you understand that you can rejoice when your brothers rejoice, when you do that, God will begin to show you even more things because he knows you can be trusted with what he gives you. Comparison is a killer. Comparison cripples the body of Christ. And we need to push that out. We need to deal with that spirit. And let's live how God intended us to live. Can you say amen in this place? Uh, Let's give him a shout of praise as we end. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Comparison.